I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyap. That's Creole for something extra. This is the 19th year Boston's Roxbury International Film Festival will screen shorts, documentaries, and feature-length films illustrating the stories of people of color. The 10-day film festival will screen most of its movies at the Museum of Fine Arts and the Haley House Bakery Cafe, and is going on right now. Here to talk about this year's festival, Lisa Simmons, director of the Roxbury International Film Festival. Hello, Lisa. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm glad to have you. And one of the filmmakers, Anike Torres, director of America I2, which will be screening also as part of the festival. Welcome. Hi. Oh, it's good to have you both. Lisa, let's start off with a little history. You started the festival 19 years ago because so many filmmakers like Anike were not able to get into some of the film festivals. Exactly right. Started it with Act Roxbury, which was the arts, culture, and trade program of Madison Park Development Corporation. And so, yes, they got a grant for $5,000. Color of Film, which is a company that I had started at the same time, came on board, and we created the Roxbury Film Festival at that time it was called the Dudley Film Festival but then we realized that there was a Dudley Film Festival at Harvard and we were like oh no we need to change this so that people don't get confused became the Roxbury Film Festival and then just about eight years or so ago we became the Roxbury International Film Festival and I remember when you made that change. That was that was that was a big deal uh, at at the time. But the, one of the reasons that people weren't getting into the festivals, just want to underscore that, is that sometimes you said the folks who would review to accept other films didn't understand the content. Talk about that a little bit exactly. more. Exactly, and I think it was sort of a time twenty years ago where you know people were telling stories that were very you know much about community and about neighborhoods and. Other festivals didn't really understand them. They didn't, you know, the the story, whether it was the storytelling, whether it was the subject matter, it was sort of like, you know, this really isn't going to fit, quote unquote, into our programming. So there were a lot of local filmmakers that were trying to put their films in other festivals and just not getting accepted. So we were like, we really, it would be great to create a festival for local filmmakers so that they can share their work with a wider audience instead of like going in their basements and showing their friends. And so that's really how it came about. And it's just grown incredibly in those 19 years from like 10 films. And Northeastern was originally part of it at Blackman Auditorium to being at the Museum of Fine Arts and having 61 films. All right, Anike, so you've got a film in called America I2. And before we listen to a clip, I'd love to know how you knew about the festival. Is this, had you been a part of it before? Are you on the film festival circuit? I have been hearing about this festival for many years and was super excited about the prospect of even applying to the festival and even more excited when the film was accepted. And it's our first festival for this film. And so we're kind of beginning the circuit with this festival. When we screened it in Los Angeles, my father came out to see it. And the minute that the credits started to roll, he said, so are you going to take this to the Roxbury International (laughs) Film Festival? And, uh, you know, then I actually had other folks coming and asking me about it. One of the interns, Delilah, who is, you know, connected to our producer, also started sending me emails saying, okay, you need to go ahead and, and submit. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Of course. And it's so amazing to be back here and to be back home, you know, where I grew up, to be with my family, to know that family and friends are going to be able to see it and to just 
to be a part of this extraordinary festival is super, super exciting for us. Well, that's my guest, Anike Tors. She is a filmmaker whose uh, film, America I2, is in this year's Roxbury International Film Festival. So I'm going to play a short clip from your film. And um, in this clip, Manny, an 18-year-old immigrant, and Ahmed, an immigrant from Somalia, played by Barkad Abdi, are in a detention center and talking about their legal status. By the way, Barkad Abdi is an Oscar-nominated actor famous for his role as a Somali pirate in the Tom Hanks movie, Captain Phillips. So here we go, America I2. I'm getting out. You are? Yeah, my lawyer got the judge to give me a bond. You got a lawyer? Oh yeah, my family did a legal intake a long time ago. Before any of this happened, the organization got us one. So that's it, you can stay? Keep fighting on the outside. Man, they took me back to Somalia. I don't even know no one there. Then that's why we got to fight your case. Uh, again, that's America I2, written, produced, and directed by Anike Tours, and she's here with me. Anike, your film and the subject matter is right in the middle of the conversation right now, nationally, and for that matter, internationally. These films don't start at the time that the conversation is going on. So how long have you been working on it? And is it just a matter of fortuitousness that you ended up ready to go at this moment? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, we went into production the day that President Trump announced the travel ban, which was a little bit, you know, odd and intense at the same time. We have over 250 extras, most of which are undocumented immigrants, and they were playing scenes where they had to be in full-scale prisons that at one time, you know, prisons that are closed now, but at one time had been detention centers. And I was concerned that people were going to be nervous and stressed out, but they were really committed and really kind of saw this as an act of organizing. In terms of why it came up in the timing, the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights, Chirla, had commissioned it. They contacted me within days of the election, and actually they wanted this to be prepared, to be ready mm-hmm. right at the inauguration. The story is really set up so as to inform folks about what's going on, but in particular to inform undocumented immigrants how to go ahead and help themselves. So in this situation, you have Manny telling Barkad, the actor, the character right. that Barkad is playing, <laughs> yes. to go ahead and to try to get and to fight for himself and to advocate for himself. Because as we know, many people don't even see a courtroom. People kind of self-incriminate. They don't understand what's happening to them. It's happening very quickly. So it's saying things like, go to the law library and try to get to know your case. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty extraordinary that Hmm. the timing actually worked out, but it's also really being used as an empowerment tool and a training tool for communities. Uh, and, I, and I want to add that in case people are listening saying, uh-oh, this is one of those Eat Your Vegetables films. It, <laughs> it really is. My whole heart was pounding. It was the, the tension, the creative and dramatic tension that you have managed to make in the film with these really identifiable characters. Um, congratulations to you. It's it's a film, so people should understand that. It has a message, but it's a, it's definitely a film. feels like a feature film to me, I have to say. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The next step. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I'm yeah. proudest about, I think, is that because of the talent that we have, you know, we mm-hmm. do have the, uh, you know, an Oscar nominee. We do have a lot of 
incredible actors from L.A. and other places. And we have our music is a Grammy nominated, the band Quetzal. Because of that, it's really the focus is on the story. So I think folks will get really more caught up in the story rather than um, in the issues that are presented. And that, Lisa, brings me to, because I want to play a clip from another movie. And this is a clip from the trailer of Mix Match, a film about mixed race blood cancer patients searching for bone marrow donors. I just want to emphasize when we come back out and have you talk more about it, that it's sometimes about issues that really are focused on people of color, but there are stories that you just haven't heard of, heard of before. Okay, let's just play the clip and I'll get you to talk about it on the way on the other side. This is from Mix Match. I was diagnosed with aplastic anemia when I was 11 years old in 1993. They also said your best shot at a long-term survival is through a bone marrow transplant. And that's when ethnicity came to play. That's when I was told because you're half Chinese and you're half Caucasian and your kind of ethnic mix is so rare that the chances of you finding a match are one in a million. No doubt my mixed race heritage is the reason why it's so hard to find a match. Well, talk about another story, right, in the moment, right? Uh, Unbelievable. I mean, I'm telling, I can't even tell you, Kelly. Like, when we were reviewing these films, and Anika's film was came in, it was like automatic. Yes, this is incredible. We have to tell this story. We have to let people know. But Mixed Match was another one that came in, and I was like, I had no idea. I didn't either. Not a clue. Yeah. And that's what I love about mm-hmm. these films, and that's what I love about independent films, is that they're allowed, people are allowed to tell stories that you wouldn't normally see in mainstream America. And this film is really important because that's who we are, right? From going from, you know, immigration to mixed race people, we're all mixed up, but we're all, you know, all of us are not these pure... It's a melting pot. (laughs) In evidence. And it's a really interesting (laughs) thing about this film is it has been used by white supremacists to say, this is why there shouldn't be mixing. Because, oh, because, yeah, it's a it, there's a there's a totally political bent on this, but there's also, of course, the health bent on this, and that we need people to be aware. So, so every time they go out and screen this film, they do bone marrow drives to help to see if people they can keep adding people to the registry because that's the only way that this is going to happen. That people are going to be able to, you know, find people across the country who are going to be matches for people who need bone marrow, and so and, that's why we felt this was really important. Uh, well, I can completely understand, and it's something nobody knows. No. And I should mention that talk about timing. This is the 50th anniversary of the Loving case. Yes, the Supreme Court ruled that mixed marriages were okay; they were not against the law. So this is uh, pretty timely, as that. Right. Now I want people to know they said, "Okay, now we've done immigration." <laughs> and we've done bone marrow. Here's one that everybody's going to get into. This is a clip from the trailer, Tear the Roof Off, the untold story of Parliament Funkadelic. Yours was organic. Genius. Great showman. Doesn't take a genius to be a liar and a thief. My paycheck is cut. My signature was forged. He ripped us off, period. Can't wait to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I don't, George, I don't think George Clinton wants to see that. I'm sure George Clinton doesn't want to right. see it, but it's, a, it's a, you know, just to let people know there's a, there's complete other topics here. Here's another one I love. This is a clip from the music video, uh, My Black is Beautiful. It's written and performed by Lovely Hoffman. She's local. People may remember that she starred in the local production of Color Purple to great reviews. So here's a piece of that. Look at her hair, look at her braids, look at her eyes, look at her nose. Look at a fro, but it's all upon me. Look 
So um, what I love is that you have this nice mix of both uh, international and local and national. And in the case of Anike, you have a local who is lives elsewhere now but has mm-hmm. roots here. And there is also, and also a first time entering into the festival. Here's another filmmaker, uh, first time. Uh, this film is called On the Line, Where Sacrifice Begins. And it's a film about the METCO program. Right. Um, people around in Boston would know about that. That's uh, busing and what it means to the folks who've been involved in it. And this is a local filmmaker as well. Just a clip and we'll talk on the other side. We're still a minority in Lexington. And it's still an important part that this desegregation program exists because there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. There you go. So I read something up by this filmmaker whose film is On the Line Where Sacrifice Begins about the excitement of being a first-time acceptee into a film festival. And Nikkei, you've talked about that. Um, what do you expect to get from audiences here? And I know you screened in L.A. and other places. And what does it give you to be in the space with the audience as they see your film? What I really like is when people watch from beginning to end about sort of what happens when somebody is walking out the door, Mm. just thinking it's an everyday, they're not thinking about it, and suddenly they're in a in a prison cell and it's three o'clock in the morning and they have but they have no idea about what day or time it is. And they're really thinking of themselves as an American and suddenly it's this idea that they are somehow they are the other. And for that just to watch people get compelled and drawn into that story and also to see that in a diverse way because there's the characters, there's Korean, there's Mexican, there's Somalian. I should say you've closed captioned it in those languages for folks as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it's, it yeah. is closed captioned in that, that they can watch that. So I don't believe it's going to be, I think it's going to be in English for this screening, um, but there are screenings that are available in those closed captioning. So I think for me it's just going to be It'll be amazing to to have <laughs> folks get caught up in, in that. It's interesting because Anika's film screens with a series that's called America Question Mark. And in that series of films, I think there's five shorts that are in that series. They're all talking about that issue. Mm. Are you an American? What is it what is it to be an American? What is it to be in America as a non hegemonic looking American or whatever. And so it's a re- it'll be I'm excited for the audience to see all of these films because I think it's going to be an incredible conversation afterwards and I also think it's going to be an incredible mm-hmm. learning experience and a lot of social action things that can be taken from that. So and you know Boston audiences are great. Yeah. They're incredible. Yeah. yeah. They're so uh-huh. passionate. And it's a great space at the MFA and at Haley House as well. I'm Callie Crossley, and you're listening to Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. My guests are Lisa Simmons, you just heard her, director of the Roxbury International Film Festival, and Anike Torres, director of America I2, one of the films featured in this year's festival. And we're talking about all of the elements, as many as we can cram into this session about it. Um, From the communal experience, uh, what have you seen audiences really respond to over the years? And are there some trends this year that you're picking up on? Because I now know that people who have premiered their films here have gone on to be, you know, names that folks know, big names, and it's kind of interesting to have watched that. It's, it yeah. is, it's really exciting, and mm-hmm. I think it's all part of how filmmakers view our festival, and we think of ourselves, and we want filmmakers to think of us as a filmmaker festival. We are passionate about having the filmmakers here and having the filmmakers here to interact with the audiences, and I think that that's one of the most important parts of a Boston audience, and the people that come to this film festival is they are passionate, they are excited, 
educated, they are in tuned, they really want to understand the issues that these films are bringing forth. So as far as trends, you know, this year was a difficult year. Over the past, many of the past years, it's been sort of easy to look at a trend and saying, okay, people are focusing on social justice. People are focusing on Black Lives Matter. People were focusing on Katrina two years after it happened. We got a lot of those types of films. And this year, it was, you know, it was sort of like we were pulling our hair out because I'm like, none of these films are going together. How are we going to match them up? And then, you know, magically, after hours and hours and hours of, of looking at the films on a table, things start to come together. But, I mean, the, the themes really, immigration, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, still there, And just films that look at issues that are, like, there's a film in the festival called I'm Still Here, which is about child sex trafficking. Oh, my God, that scared me to death. Unbelievable. That's and and it's a narrative, so that's even why it's scarier, because (laughs) it's a narrative film. It's not even a documentary. So you really feel like you're... It's it's hard to watch, but it is such an important issue. We should so say I, that it's about a child kidnapping. It looks like sex trafficking as well. Yes. Um, and the actors, um, I, I just, I was speechless. It was very, very scary and powerful. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think the trend was is really about, about hitting on hot, like you were talking about before, the hot topic issues that are current today. And... And that's what we want to bring forth, because I think that our audience comes in wanting to be educated, wanting to, you know, understand sort of how people are viewing the world in a different way than you would see in a big megaplex movie that's that's coming out. And I think that that's what the Roxbury International Film Festival offers people. And I think that that's why they keep coming back. Now, we note that this is a festival. And by the way, I should mention, there are more than 30 festivals in the state, including the Cape and the Islands. And this is one that has a specific focus on people of color, both in America and around the world. One of the buzziest films, that means lots of people are waiting for it, is City of Joy. It's about the Congo and this particular healing process and center for women who were horribly raped and abused. Yeah, again, that's a very intense, but it's gotten so much attention. And wow, that's a that's one of your centerpiece films. It is. It's a and it's a beautifully shot film. It's actually the front cover of our of our program because it was just beautiful color, beautiful women, and it tells another story that people might not know about. And it is about resilience, and it's about women and resilience, and. It's a beautifully told story, and it's inspiring, and it's uplifting. And I know we're talking about, you know, sort of all these hard issues that we're talking about, but you're not going to come away thinking, oh, no, you know, I, I feel so depressed after. No, you're going to come away from all of these films feeling very much empowered, feeling passionate about what you can do about a certain situation. So, you know, it's about coming into a film, not understanding a certain subject matter, and then going away feeling... Like, wow, I've just seen something that's changed my life. I wonder if both of you would weigh in on um, whether you think Netflix and, for that matter, Amazon Prime and HBO refocus on particularly documentaries and independent film in general has sort of put more interest out there, has pumped up the interest in the public so that people are accustomed to seeing this kind of product. And now with an opportunity to come meet the filmmaker in person or to pay attention that this has actually boosted festival attendance and interest, or do you think it works against you or you can't tell? You know, it's really funny because um, because there's, I mean, there's two schools of thought. For Netflix, it's great for independent filmmakers because it's an, another opportunity for distribution. It's another opportunity to get your film to a really much wider audience. If Netflix picks it up, if Amazon picks it up, you're, as a filmmaker, you're golden. As a film festival producer, 
what it's doing is is it's taking it's snatching films before they can do the festival circuit. So they mm. might get snatched oh, up at Sundance, or mm. they might get snatched up where in an earlier time they would do the festival circuit, and you would have that opportunity to get this film. And you know, a couple of my you know colleagues in the film festival world here in Boston, we were like, oh my god, we can't get that film. Netflix picked it up, or mm-hmm. Amazon picked it up. We're excited for the filmmakers, but for a film festival producer, it's it's you know you're sort of on the edge about whether it's mm. good or whether it's bad because we've missed a lot of films because they got picked up. Well, I'm going to choose to look at it positively so that yes. means there's more space for folks like Anike then exactly. who didn't get picked up by Netflix who now has an opportunity Absolutely. to have that, you know, one-on-one audience. Here's one that I, a clip from that I like. This is about it's called uh, Little Boxes and it's the film about a mixed-race family that moves from New York City to a small town in Washington. Just a little different take. Welcome to the neighborhood. Why on earth did you move here? I uh, got a job at the college. You're the new hire. I've heard about you. Hi. Hi. Oh my god. I can't believe it. We like totally needed a black kid. So I just laughed. <laughs> yeah, this is a great funny. I just laughed yeah. at that. <laughs> I just thought, okay, this is the people are going to really enjoy this. <laughs> very fun. Very. I mean, we have and Rhythm and Blue is another one. You know, yeah, we well, have some let's good. Let's okay. listen to the clip. Here's Rhythm and Blue. Okay. This is uh, the film is based on the book by Crystal Center Brown. Fiance, you getting married? Huh? Yeah, in a few weeks. Wait, why are you here shacking up with Jazz? Oh, you want one more run at it before you know. Clink, clank. It's one night is your limit, buddy. Come on, Jazz, you're my homie. Please, I'm serious. I don't think your fiance is going to be okay with you staying here. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> You have to have one of these films in the festival. It's like, and everyone's like, oh, no. Oh, my God, what's going to happen? Um, so, yeah, so we have some, we have we have a mix, like you said, a really great mix. I just love that. <laughs> All right, now, here's the deal. Next year is the 20th, Lisa. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> what Pressure. are you going to do? Pressure. What are you going to do? I mean, the 20th, you got to. I know, we really have to kick it out of the park. We did on our 10th. Remember our 10th anniversary? Yes. We had Ruby D. Yes. Uh, Robert Townsend. Uh, right. So come on back, y'all. <laughs> so, um, no, we're, we're we're in the works. We're planning it, but okay. it's going to be big. It's Have a reunion of some of these film, we, filmmakers who's come You know come something, through. Kelly? I think yeah. that's what we're going to do. We're yeah. going to come. We're going to bring back some of our uh, top uh, opening night films and filmmakers. And we're, we're putting the word out now to see if people will come back and celebrate with us. And I'm sure they will. Okay. Well, thanks. I've enjoyed talking to both of you. And once again, you've, uh, despite anybody else trying to take the films before you, you managed to come up with <laughs> oh, a, great, a great uh, <laughs> program. So I encourage everybody to take part. Thank you both for stopping by. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Lisa Simmons is the director of the Roxbury International Film Festival. Anike Torres is the director of America I2. You can watch her film on Friday, June 30th at the Museum of Fine Arts Boston. The Roxbury International Film Festival runs through July 1st. For more information on the festival and a full schedule of screenings, go to RoxburyInternationalFilmFestival.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find our show, links to stories we discussed today, and bonus content on the web at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app and take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugars. Andrea Aswai is our producer. 
Under the Radar is a production of WGBH.